welcome to Movie Ghoul Round, the film podcast that rotates between different themes every week on a five-week schedule that turns in the Movie Ghoul Round every October. This week's theme is new to two. Hello, everybody. My name is Brett Stewart. Joining me for, I believe, what is our fourth annual movie ghoul round, uh, Nicole Davis. How are you? I am good. It is bright and early, and we're talking about a movie about books that I never read a single word of. So (laughs) (laughs) it'll be interesting to see if I can detect any of the Easter eggs at all in here. Okay, right on. And David Luzader, how are you? Uh, I'm fine. I'm just a little disappointed we didn't start this episode with listener beware. You're in for a scare. I mean, it just you know, it's it's right there. I could have done it. Uh, I know. Listener beware. You're in for a scare. Yeah, I, I feel like you're probably the right age. I think, David, because I got tail end of it. I got a little bit of these books growing up. Not a ton of them though. But we'll talk about it. Oh yeah, this uh, goosebumps were uh, spoiler alert for the movie we're talking about. Goosebumps were like, I mean, that was that was so big when right. I was in elementary school and and you know a little bit beyond, but outgrew them a little bit probably before uh, they stopped. I think. I mean, I think he's still making books. I'm just not sure. How much? Oh, yeah. He's still making books. (laughs) That dude's cranking out like five a year. Is it actually still him writing them? Or is it like Franklin W. Dixon writing the Hardy Boys books where it's like 27 people that just use the same? You know, I think it's R.L. Stein. I I really uh, think so. Yeah. I I saw him at at C2E2 a while back and, and a whole interview with him. And it really does seem like he is the one writing these things. But... Before we dive into Goosebumps, spoiler alert, I guess we are, you know, we cats out of the bag. It's on the title. Yeah, it's the title of the episode. Goosebumps. It's on the title. (laughs) We do want to announce next week. Movie Ghoul Round is, is of course, in full swing now. Next week is Can We Just Talk About? And we all took two films that were in some way horror, thriller, Halloween-y. And we put them into the random generator and it pulled out one of them. And it pulled out dr sleep so that is the shining sequel with obi-wan so check that out and follow along uh dr sleep for next week but this week we did watch goosebumps it came out in 2015 a teenager teams up with the daughter of young adult horror author rl stein after the writer's imaginary demons are set free on the town of madison delaware this movie is interesting. David, why did you pick Goosebumps? Well, as I mentioned uh, in our last episode, that I am not as horror-versed as the two of you, so there are a few movies that are horror-related that I have seen that either of you haven't. Uh, this is one of them. I know it is not a typical sort of horror movie. We're aiming more towards the family genre there but i i didn't hate this movie when i saw it and i thought like it was pretty amusing so i thought it would be fun to uh, to talk about yeah for sure and and as we mentioned there at the very top of the show this is a nostalgia bomb i assume for people that are about 10 years ish older than me which is about where you are mm-hmm. because i think that was prime like goosebumps age i got a little bit of it like i i had a couple goosebumps books growing up and i recognized a couple of those characters here 
but it certainly seems like you know if you're somewhere in your you know mid 30s ish like you grew up with goosebumps like goosebumps was an iconic part of your childhood very very likely Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was actually I just had the the page up and the original run of them. The original series was 1992 to 1997. Yeah, that sounds all right. Oh, it's just firmly that's f- firmly the years that I was in elementary school. And so, yeah, I was right at that demographic. Right, right. So, Nicole, mm. you did not have Goosebumps exposure. I did not. Uh, and and did your kids, was it was it too late? Was, was Goosebumps no longer in vogue? It was a little too late. My oldest kid was born in 2001, so. Yeah. Well, uh, Goosebumps, I, so right off the bat, I really love the plot device of utilizing R.L. Stein as the lead character played by Jack Black and letting it, be a goodie bag of all of his baddies from the books by having the books be the reason that the baddies get put into the world into the first place. Like, I think it's a fun plot device. And it was for, for me, right off the bat, it was a cool way to do a Goosebumps movie where I wasn't quite sure how you would do it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That's like the question is like, oh, is it going to be one of the classic stories? Is it going to be like a whole new thing where we're slapping Goosebumps on it? I really like this take on it primarily because it gives us Jack. Black's performance, which I I love immensely, but also because, yeah, it allows you to do all those Easter eggs and and have fun with it. And also, like, you get parents interested, right? When parents are like, oh, I read these books. Like, come on, you'll have fun with this. And and I think overall as a plot device, like, it works. Yeah, I was very relieved that this was not an anthology, which is what I was anticipating, that they'd take, you know, like four of the stories and then have a framing story around it with Jack Black as R.L. Stein. Mm -hmm. But generally, I'm not a fan of anthology movies. There's always a weak one somewhere in there Mm -hmm. that you have to sort of suffer through until you get to the next one. Right. (laughs) So... Um, I was very pleased. I thought this movie was better than it had any right to be, honestly. <laughs> oh, yeah. This movie is darn cute. And, and I think it certainly earns its cuteness um, <laughs> in, in, in a nice way. Uh, I mean, we'll, we'll dive into some of our discussion topics here. Jack Black is clearly having a great time here. And yes, I would agree. Jack Black, as always, bringing the heat. The man doesn't phone it in. What is that voice he's doing? I don't know, but I love it. I have no idea. Is it? Is there a, like a British accent in there somewhere? I don't know. He's not Ralph Stein. I told you to stay away from us or something bad would happen, but that's a problem with kids today. They don't listen. You had to pick Abominable Snowman of Pasadena. You couldn't have picked Little Shop of Hamsters. It's just the super elocution to it. It's like yeah. Catherine Hepburn kind of odd Connecticut accent weirdness in there. Well, and and uh, right, it has that sort of like what you would expect like an eccentric horror writer to kind of sound like a little bit. But you've, I mean, you've yeah. heard him and seen him, Brett, and like sort of same with Stephen King. Arl Stein is, you know, he, he shows up at the very end of the movie. You see him briefly as, as Mr. Black passing by. Hello, Mr. Stein. Hello, Mr. Black. Uh, Who's that? He's the new drama teacher. But also, like, having actually seen him, like, he's not what you might think R.L. Stein would look like or sound like in real life, where this character version of him, I feel like, fits that a little bit more. 
100%. Yeah. Yeah, R.L. Stein, by the way, I do love that, that they switched their names and that that he gets to be Mr. Black, the drama teacher at the end of the movie. Mm -hmm. Like, that's just so good. That was a fun way to do a nod to the cameo. And I'm glad it's very limited. But yeah, I, I love Jack Black. There was a period where I found him a little annoying at times. And then I realized that I was just not willing to have fun with how insane he can be mm-hmm. and and his movies are just so delightfully fun most of the time so i i love what he's doing here it's just bonkers i don't quite understand i mean i do understand in nicole you put it in our docket it makes sense why jack black voice is slappy but i don't like it um <laughs> watching jack black fight himself in this movie is very funny to me so what's the plan friend you must have brought me out for something fun terrorize the locals destroy the town let's get silly you guessed it slappy i'm going to destroy madison and i and i couldn't do it without you oh shucks you're giving me oh what's the word goosebumps (laughs) oh my god he's so creepy Uh, he's such a crack up yeah it's i feel like you know i've seen the goosebumps cover with the Night of the Living Dummy and yes, so there's like two sequels to it, mm-hmm. and they do take some of that, but I think they work a little bit of Jack Black into the design of the face of the dummy. Yeah, I could yeah. see that. And one thing I really, I really liked, and I know, uh, and I'm kind of bumping to another like uh, topic discussion that I know that you put in there, Nicole, about like the visual details. One thing I love about the slappy design is like it's not like a perfect little porcelain dummy right part of the chin has been chipped off like the paint from the chin and like he's got some cracks on him like there's just uh, there was obvious and this is something that i just noticed again watching it with a little more critical eye like there is some real like care put into this movie right Right? they could have just slapped these monsters out and been like yeah whatever yeah it's a wolf man great but someone was like no let's put shoes hanging off of his feet because this feet grew too big but the shoes are still on there like somebody put thought into how these things all should look and actually put some like love and care into it. That was what surprised me as well, was that I was really expecting the CG in this movie to be painfully, painfully bad for these to be generic drag and drop template, werewolf, gnome, zombie, etc. And there's parts where this, where, you know, the, the, you can't have this many bad guys in a movie and have them all look great. <laughs> like there are some <laughs> CG that looks a little worse for wear than others. But with that said, the inspired nature of their designs, there's nothing that's just the way you would expect it to be. To your point, David, like even the, the mummy has like a different look than your normal mummy. Everything mm-hmm. looks a little bit different because it has that goosebumps flair to it. Right. And I love the garden gnomes. That when they move, because they're all one piece ceramic, they actually have to crack themselves at the joints to be able to move properly. (laughs) When they want to cock an eyebrow, you can see the spot like the unpainted spot on the face where the eyebrow used to be Mm -hmm. when they move it up. And it's just so much care put into that. I was very impressed. I was impressed with the sound design for those. Yeah. The note, like when they move, 
Yeah, every time they move, it's an interesting little sound. And it's super creepy when they put themselves back together. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I, I love, because that, that scene when the gnomes first attack them is one of my favorite in the movie. And they're having the fight in the kitchen. She, she's like stuffing one down the garbage disposal while the other ones are like tying Jack Black up, about to like throw him into an oven. Right, right. Yeah, Champ wastes a lot of time trying to do away with one. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> you just got to grab the Swiffer, which is what our main teenager does. I have no idea what his I name is. I know. Was. Yeah, the name's kind of left my brain. The character name is Zach. Yeah. Zach. Yeah, I find Zach to be a little bit insufferable, but that's okay. Oh, I didn't think it was too bad. He was a little bland. Right. Yeah. He was bland. He okay, he his <laughs> I was about to say that his face is like what I picture every face is if you have face blindness. Like he just he has no distinctive features to me as as a human. <laughs> you said that last episode about Patrick Wilson. Did I? Okay. Yes. Well, same thing. Like maybe he's future Patrick Wilson is what I'm getting at. He's got like proto face. He's like 19 or 20 when this was made. And he's right. got a few more years for the the baby fat to dissolve and his cheekbones mm-hmm. to come out. Baby fat to dissolve. Uh, yeah. No, it's – I wish this movie would get going. For an hour and 40 minute long movie, it actually – I think it needs to get going a little bit quicker. Mm-hmm. They do a lot of the really tropey classic setup of mm-hmm. kid, you know, moves to town – and his dad just died and he's mad at his mom's new job and he doesn't want to be in the town and he can't make any friends and sits upstairs watching old camcorder clips of his father. Like all these things are very tropey and I wish they would jump into it a little bit quicker and not spend like 20 minutes of this movie on a R.L. Stein domestic abuse situation. But once it gets into it, it gets going. Yeah, I mean, they're wanting to play with a few of those horror tropes, right? Because there's like the whole like he looks up at the window and it looks like someone was there. Right. Was somebody there? And then like, oh, I heard something was happening next door. And then the cops go and check it out. He's like, it's just this amazing audio surround sound that I have. I do love the cops. I'm blanking on the guy's name right now. But the main cop who plays a character in Veep, and it seems to be like he can only play kind of inept characters. But he's so good in this movie. Yeah, he's like semi-competent small-town cop training the rookie. Mm-hmm. Right. And right. of course, the rookie is over-eager and immediately wants to arrest people and tase them, and he's always pulling her back. Right. Should I tase him? I'll tase him. I like that moxie, but we're going to hold off. Do you know what the the punishment is for filing a false report? Three years in jail. Well, that's close, but it's a written warning. I don't know why that <laughs> lines in my head. but Yeah, there's some good bits in this. That comes back, although it's inaccurate. They're like, yeah. you called saying you were the police and had him leave the house? And like, Isn't that a crime? And he's like, no, oh, it's just a written warning. It's like, no, right. no, impersonating an officer is an entirely different crime. Right. Yeah, exactly. Now you've done something really different this time. So you mentioned their champ um, or chump, as, as some people in this movie uh, call him. The creativity of high schoolers. Champ is the uh, the character that immediately befriends Zach and is, is dragged into this adventure uh, with the promise of all the single ladies, because that's the only <laughs> reason he shows up in the first place. I kind of love Champ. I do, too. I, I like do. I like his energy. I know he's doing 
the geek thing of, oh, new kid, let me get in good with them fast before everybody else tells them what a tremendous nerd I am and warns them to stay away from me. Oh, Here's sure. my chance to actually get to know somebody. And so he gets right in there with the new kid. So you're the new kid. Cool, cool. Oh, hi, Taylor. Hi, Chump. Did she just call you Chump? Yes, indeed, she did. My real name is Champ. You know, but she's never talked to me before, so we're making progress. It, it almost seemed like they were trying to set him up to be the, like, expert character, because mm. he recognizes all of the books, right? Oh, like, you sure. almost think he's going to be the one, like, well, the way that they defeated them in this book is this. But that doesn't ever really, like, kind of pay off. It's just, like, he recognizes all these different Goosebumps books. That would have been cool if that was if they actually had to refer to the books on a way to defeat them. But I think they're just they wouldn't have had to have as many of them right. if that was the case. Ryan Lee does a good job at making Champ actually likable and winning despite mm -hmm. having to be a coward and constantly on the hunt for ladies. You taking anyone to the dance? No. Yeah. I'm thinking about flying solo too. Hey, we should go together. Together? Oh, but not like together, together, dance together. Although that could work. You know, we get the crowd into it, you know, and then go split off with different girls. I, I loved his interplay with Arl Stein. Like him and Jack Black, I thought, played together really well. Like all the times that, that he's on Arl Stein's side. And, right. Uh, but Jack Black is just so annoyed with him. Unbelievable. everything he says. <laughs> Sneaking off in the middle of the night with strange boys. Unbelievable. Shut it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I quite like the character of Champ. I think that would have been cool if they had had him be kind of the expert. But alas, he is not. So someone built a carnival in the woods and it was never finished because they ran out of money. So they just keep it hooked up to all the electricity. Yeah, I thought that. thought about that, too. That makes sense. Just so people can hop on the Ferris wheel and whatnot. No one sold the land to try to recoup some of their costs or their the equipment that they had already installed. And I love either it's like so old that all the pathways have dissolved for due to time mm -hmm. or they like built it and we're like, and we're going to uh, put in all the sidewalks. Wait, we're out of money. Yeah, I guess shut the whole thing down. We got this far, but we got nowhere for the hot dog stand to go. Right. <laughs> It's kind of a trope, though, right? Right, exactly. Like, isn't that a trope in horror? I mean, in not, not even horror, in, like, young adult, is that there's always this magical spot that all the adults forgot about in the middle of the woods. Right. Yeah, spooky carnival. In the woods is kind of a weird place to put large carnival equipment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, like, trees growing near the... It's like, how long has this been abandoned? Yeah. Uh, you would have thought, though, David. So, uh, oh, I just had the exact same thought of like, why did somebody leave the power hooked up on this thing? Who's paying for that? That has to come from somewhere. It was it was very strange. How did they run the power out to the middle of the woods? Right, exactly. Like <laughs> they got so far into this construction. What was the stopping point? Right. I don't know. We're quibbling about talking bears in a fairy tale here, but <laughs> it is. Yeah. But it's a good set piece. They, it's well done. It is well done. It's atmospheric. It adds. You know, you're going to end up back there at the end mm -hmm. once they first right. introduce it. It's a classic young adult horror setting. Mm -hmm. uh, I was recently watching. For some reason, I don't know why, I put on the reboot of 
Are You Afraid of the Dark, which is a, oh, sure. a show on Nickelodeon about kids telling spooky stories, and it and it takes place at a carnival, and it's just you know it's just a classic for middle to high school, like ooh the spooky carnival in the woods for sure. But you're telling me, Nicole, in a movie about abominable snowmen and malicious garden gnomes that you couldn't suspend your disbelief that anyone could survive the Ferris wheel tumbling <laughs> down a mountain? I'm with you. You could not. I'm it with was, you. I was like, oh, they're all dead. There's no way. Also, they show the Ferris wheel rolling, but then inside the shots. Rolling fast, right, too. But then inside the actual shots, when it ends with the kids on the Ferris wheel, it looks like it's just kind of sliding because they're not going around in circles. Presumably it's pivoting on the axle that it's suspended from, but right. still it wouldn't be able to keep up, I don't think, with the speed of the Ferris wheel. <laughs> Fun fact about the first uh, Ferris wheel. It was at the Chicago's World Fair and it well, it had so few supports like it was sound it was very sound but it had so few supports that people didn't trust it at first and they had to go in and add a bunch of extra like beams and things so it seemed much safer <laughs> oh neat yeah nice i don't think any rolled down a mountain but uh yeah yeah not a lot of mountains not a lot of mountains in chicago right. oh, no. <laughs> yeah it's it, it's a cool set piece though i do like it and, and you speak about that, you know, David, that there, it is a trope in and of itself, the whole carnival in the woods thing. Uh, and there are just tropes everywhere. And they're leaning into it, though. They know their tropes. That, that's a point of this movie, I think. Yeah. I mean, the person writing this is is well aware of the movie that they're making. And, and I feel like everybody making this kind of on all levels is aware. Like, it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek the whole time. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um was it fun for you in particular recognizing characters from your childhood like monsters because they are distinct i don't have a super strong memory of a lot of them except for of course slappy slappy uh which like now <laughs> is the whole brand of like the new Goosebump books are called slappy's world uh you know slappy was was like the most recurring character he still terrifies me to this day <laughs> And so I think having him like as the main villain, like popping up totally made sense because if you were like, oh, the main villain is the abominable snowman, nobody would have really like been able to latch onto that. But you say slappy to like anybody my age and they're going to be like the dummy from Goosebumps. Right. (laughs) Well, and the dummy, because it's a preternatural ventriloquist dummy can be as intelligent as you need it to be, whereas Abominable Snowman presumably is more of an animal mentality. Also, Abominable Snowman is like an ape? Slappy can come up with devious plans. Right, exactly. And I mean, he looks creepy, but I don't know. The reason I didn't like Jack Black voicing Slappy is because he doesn't sound scary enough to me. I thought it was a little distracting. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's Jack Black doing the voice for that. Mm. You know, and it just didn't seem as menacing as it could have. That's fair. That's fair. But it has to be the weird, you know, evil reflection of himself, right? Like, that's the whole the whole <laughs> bit. Right. And I love I love Slappy's whole thing of, like, I created you, or did you create me? I don't remember. Like, he obviously has this, like, self-awareness. Yeah, for sure. And Slappy's in the second film, to my understanding. Like, they bring Slappy back. Yeah, it's literally, I think the subtitle is Slappy's Revenge. Right. So. Hey. Yeah, I heard the second film's quite bad, though. Oh, I, I didn't even bother. Okay. Didn't even care. All right. Well, um, this one though is actually pretty well received, as far as I read. You know, it see it actually seems like this movie was 
shockingly well received for a goosebumps adaptation uh which by the way has actually been happening a lot lately i mean fear street was awesome did you guys watch the three fear street movies i i've meant to i haven't yet though yeah same here they were really good it was like one in modern day one in the 70s and then one in like the 1600s because that's also a series written by rl stein right by rl stein yes and they're darker they lean more into horror they're definitely more adult shows but they're great they're they're really good so rl stein has been getting some good adaptations lately we've got a couple other discussion topics here why is there a pedophile joke in this movie for children because someone's got to take the children to the movie yeah what 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 is happening surround sound i didn't know being an audiophile was a crime a what a file? Whoa, 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 whoa. That just means that he is a connoisseur of high-end audio equipment. Oh. And I'm just, why is this joke in here? Yeah, yeah. Who is I mean, this joke for? It's for, for the adults, you know. It's for right. the parents. Yeah, but, but. at the same time, yeah, I get you. It's a movie for and about children. It's just like, oh, no. <laughs> no, this is not okay to have in here. There, there's some. There's some jokes the whole character of Aunt Lorraine and Nicole, you noted that she elevates the whole movie. I love Aunt Lorraine so much. Oh my God, it's good to well, see you. you too. Okay, let me take him in. Oh my gosh, he gets more handsome every time I see him. So good looking. Thank you, Aunt Lorraine. <laughs> oh, he's just a beautiful boy. And thank God, because you were such an ugly baby. Oh, there great. it is. But it's fine. He's handsome now. It's not like he's going to go ugly, handsome, and then back to ugly. No. The danger's past. A lot of pretty much her entire bit would go over a child's head. The lonesome aunt that is trying to, you know, mm-hmm. desperately to find a single man. Or or a married man who has a wife that just needs a little push to leave her. That needs a little <laughs> push, yeah. A lot of her bits would, would, would go over a kid's head. Hello. Uh, uh, hi, hello. Hi. I don't think we've been properly introduced. Um, I'm... I'm Lorraine. Hello, R.L. Stein. We owe you a great debt of gratitude. Your reckless driving saved our lives. Oh, that old thing. <laughs> oh, Lorraine. No, Lorraine. So... Lorraine. Lorraine, we don't have time. I need you to go to the police station and tell them to meet us at the high school. All right, can you do that? I can do that. Okay. Okay. Oh, did you want to exchange numbers? Is that a good timing? Yes. But you're right. She is so much fun. I wanted to hate her. I really did. I just thought she was going to be obnoxious, but she's just such a delightful presence in the movie. I kind of love her. Yeah, that's all credit to uh, Jillian Bell, Mm -hmm. the actress who plays Aunt Lorraine. Uh, Yeah, she's she's great. She's not been on a lot of high profile stuff, but I definitely need to look up and I suspect everyone should because of the reviews it got. uh, Brittany runs a marathon. Okay. She plays the lead role in that, yeah. but she plays smaller parts in a lot of things. You know, she's been in a couple of Paul Thomas Anderson movies. She does a lot of voiceover for animation. Yeah, she had a pretty big role in the in 22 Jump Street. Um, but yeah, she's someone oh. like you probably you have seen in something or heard in something, but might not recognize the name. Yeah, that's what I knew her from. All right. That took me a second. Yeah, she's wonderful in this film. I, I really do like her. And she's actually a comedy writer. So, you know, who knows if any of this was improvised. You, you know, it, Nicole. I don't know. Not like I even care. It's like, whatever. I should listen to my psychic. She says, stop dating losers and never go on a plane. Yeah, I I wonder how much improv was in here. Because I also felt like Jack Black, like, part of me feels like they could have, because the way that he delivers every line has such, like, the Jack Black take on it, that, like, part of me is like, did they just (laughs) let Jack Black 
do whatever <laughs> on this set. He asserts ownership over all of his dialogue. Yes. You know, whether or not he wrote it, whether it's been written by somebody else, he he owns it in the way he delivers it. Yeah. But I mean, the reason I'm wondering if there was any improv is because the the writer in in my opinion doesn't have a great track record. This is a person who wrote Jack the Giant Slayer and Turbo and Gemini Man. Oh, <laughs> But also wrote Shazam, which people liked. So okay. yeah, Shazam's great. Yeah, uh, interesting. But yeah, this guy, yeah, he wrote the screenplay for this movie, and he wrote these has the story by credit for Goosebumps Two: Slappy's Revenge. Ah, so, okay. <laughs> he also wrote Shrek Forever After, <laughs> <laughs> Donkey's Christmas Shrektacular, Shrek's Yule Log. Okay, so yeah, he so. You know, really knocking out of the park. I mean, let's be honest, though. If I had the ability to cash Pixar checks, I would, too. So do. Oh, no, those that's DreamWorks. So I would. Uh, another another character I wanted to call out. It took me a hot minute to realize how I recognized Hannah, the young teenage girl. She's in a movie called Dumplin', which is just an adorable movie. If you've never seen Dumplin', Dumplin' is all about um, a plus size teenager that enrolls in a beauty pageant. Oh, I remember. Uh, it's all. Yeah. It was produced and set to the music of Dolly Parton, and her mom is played by Jennifer Aniston, who's like all obsessed with like the beauty pageant, and you know grew up in the beauty pageant, and of course she's perfect. And then you know, um, her daughter, who is not traditional pageant material, goes to the pageant to kind of to spite her mother initially. But that girl's in that movie, and she's great in it. So it took me a second to recognize where I had seen her from. I got to be honest, I didn't not see the twist coming, but it was still kind of a fun reveal. Yeah. Oh, about her? Yeah, because like that, that is the twist, right? Like every Arl Stein has to have a twist. And the twist is I, it's weird because the twist is revealed not at the end. It's revealed like two thirds of the way through. But the twist is that his daughter mm. is is a creation of his own. Mm hmm. I guess, yeah, literally, uh, <laughs> from the book. Yeah. Right. Yeah, which has a lot of moral implications. Yeah, there is a Goosebumps book called The Ghost Next Door, which I'm wondering if... Uh, that's who it's supposed to be. That's where she comes from originally. I, th I think so. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Um, Did you guys see it coming? Uh, I mean, I'd seen the no. movie, so... <laughs> okay. <laughs> interesting i thought that yeah i thought it was an interesting twist i thought she did a good job too i think overall other than jack black that their performances are surprisingly natural feeling yeah mm -hmm. for a movie that takes place in a heightened universe where monsters can run free yeah sure i, I mean the movie is not by any means perfect <laughs> um but i think like as you kind of said nicole like you know, better, right. Better than it has any right to be in the sense that like everything kind of just clicked. Mm -hmm. They got the right performers for these roles. Everyone did a great job. Somebody put a lot of care into the design of the, of the monsters and a lot of thought into that. It was just like on every level, like people were trying. Yes. This doesn't just feel like a cash grab, like, Oh, let's just make a goosebumps movie and get out of here. You know? Agreed. Right. People wanted to make a good movie. And man, that praying mantis is scary. Yes. <laughs> they did a good job making a giant praying mantis look properly terrifying. There's a giant bug destroying everyone's cars in the parking lot. We get it. I love that yeah. kid. It's, yeah. it's not as funny anymore. And everybody forgets 
everyone forgets that praying mantises can fly. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's always extra scary when they do. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's like it's giant mandibles. Did they eat that kid? Is that kid dead? I think so. I think that's the kid. I think he's the one fatality for sure. There's a giant bug and it's eating everybody's cars. Yeah, it's getting old, dude. No, seriously. <laughs> wow. That would be impressive. I mean, they never they never see what happens to him, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. How? Why does Zach know how to build a bomb <laughs> from chemicals available for a high school chem lab? Great question. Well, you know, he got the anarchist cookbook from that one uncle <laughs> right. uh, last summer. That one uncle, his mother doesn't let him talk Ex- to exactly. anymore. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> that one. <laughs> one thing I didn't quite understand is, is they, they build this weird... It's not an animosity because he he likes his mom. Yeah. But they try to create this artificial teenage angst in his character where he's just like, oh, mom, you're embarrassing me. What's not artificial is father is dead. You know, he's not- <laughs> I guess I guess I just I found his interactions with Holly from the office to be incredibly contrived. Oh, that's what I know her from. Yeah. Well, apparently she's also in The Wire, which I have not seen. So. Oh, yeah. She's in The Wire, too. Yep. Uh, a couple other things. I, I do love the the Steve King. <laughs> I love what he calls him Steve King. <laughs> shots across the bow a couple times. You see the endings coming from a mile away. It's like, stop trying to be Stephen King, man. Let me tell you something about Steve King. Steve King wishes he could write like me. And I've sold way more books than him, but nobody ever talks about that! Okay. Way more books! There's some great little jokes about, yeah, like, uh, I've sold more copies than he ever has, but no one ever talks about that. And then later he's like, you know, 400 million copies. And Champ's like, oh, worldwide? No, domestic, but it's still... No, domestic, he asks, and he goes, no, worldwide, but it's still a very impressive number. Yeah, it's still very (laughs) impressive. Right, right. Because, of course, you know, when he is needed to write a story to bring all the the Goosebumps monsters back into into the book, he has to write it in a high school production of The Shining. (laughs) Oh. And I love I love that bit of like, oh, he's a fast writer and it cuts to him. It was a cold night. Now cold was the night, and he pulls the page out to start over. And no high school could afford the rights to the shining Nicole. Nicole, you underestimated a high school's ability to just go rogue on IP, which is how mine was. Mine just ran with anything. I'm more concerned that a high school is doing the shining, to be honest. <laughs> Uh, no, ours tried to do it the right way. I was, sometimes they come out of left field. You know, our local high school has done things like Joseph and the Imac using Technicolor Dreamcoat and the Hunchback of Notre Dame, but they did Town one year, which huh. I thought was so bizarre, which is a musical about uh, public bathrooms, and it's very <laughs> odd, but, yeah. Very sophisticated and very recent for them to be doing in our local high school, but they were they've always been ambitious. Yeah, the the way that I understand it is uh or the way that from I had to do it is like you'd have to give them basically like a cut of the door. Uh. So, I mean, I'm not sure. I'm sure for I I think for high schools they are like way more lax in certain ways cuz it's high schools, you know. Right. Right. The, the youths. Did anybody else notice in this movie, along with the fun touch from The Shining, is that 
Is the clock tower downtown the one from Back to the Future? It might be. So it looked very similar to me. Yeah, I didn't. Did it look similar? Okay. I don't. Maybe on a. It's been a while since I've seen it. Maybe I'm just conflating. Ooh, downtown clock tower <laughs> in clock a tower. picturesque town. They all look the same. You had another one in there, which was is it is one of the clowns from Cabin in the Woods, and yeah, it looks identical to the clown in the woods. The clown in the woods. <laughs> the cabin <laughs> in the woods clown. That's just a clown Brett sees in the woods. The clown in the cabin in the woods. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. I'm glad somebody else thought so because I'm like, I remember yeah. that like yellow and blue jumpsuit and terrifying face makeup. Oh, it looks like the same, the absolute same as the Cabin in the Woods one. Yeah. Oh, no, okay. I, I, I caught that too. <laughs> yeah. It seems like there's a lot of fun little Easter eggs in this movie. I'm sure if I rewatched it, I catch some some more. Right. And I I don't think I you know as as we kind of wrap up, I I don't think I will not never see this movie again. <laughs> It was it was really cute and fun. I, I I really appreciate that this movie just went for broke on all the insanity of of Goosebumps as a whole, and mm-hmm. I think it pays off. I think to have that meta plot that we've been talking about, how you have these like RL is the character and you have to pull them in and out of these books, makes it work really well. Opposed to as we said, just having an a slappy movie or an abominable snowman movie. I think it works really well. Mm-hmm. Right, and I think it actually makes. Saying it makes logical sense sounds weird when you're talking about a Goosebumps movie, but right. the way they decide to fix the problem by writing one book that captures all of the characters that are running around town, that that made logical sense to me. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's the only way you can do it. Right. It's the only yeah. way you can fix this mess. Yeah. Right. It's a, it's a fun little device, right, that they're all literally living in these books and he's got to make a new book. And yeah, it's it's – it works. And I'm with you, Brett. This probably won't be the last time I see this. This is a great, like, oh, I'm at a Halloween party. I'm throwing a Halloween party. Let me just put this on in the background right? while people are hanging out. And then, like, one day when I have kids, I'm sure, you know, like, oh, here's a good movie for when you're, like, 11 years old. It's not too spooky and pretty fun and yeah, all that good stuff. No, I'm, I'm glad you brought it because I think there's a place on Movie Ghoul Round not just for horror, but for like the Hocus Pocuses of the world. Horror adjacent. I know Hocus Pocus is like a cultural phenomenon. I don't know if Goosebumps the movie is quite that. Two just came out. Two came out like yesterday, yeah. But but I think like having like like I as bad of a movie as it is, I have a fondness for Disney's Haunted Mansion. And I know they're rebooting it with a, like an all-star cast and they're gonna do it next year and it's gonna be big and probably a whole lot better. But like I even enjoy Eddie Murphy's. I think it's a fun movie. And then maybe it's because I'm blinded by how much I love that ride. But point being is like these kind of fun movies, I think, are well suited for movie go around as well. So we're not just talking about movies like The Descent, you know, so like I think I think you brought some good balance here, David, and I appreciate that. You're welcome. <laughs> the balance to. Oh, my God. <laughs> People don't know that's coming out. Oh, yet. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. You, you need to bleep him. Bleep him in post. I will. Yeah, no, yeah, do that. <laughs> so. All right. Well. Next week, a reminder, everyone, next week is going to be Dr. Sleep. Fairly recent film. I think it came out in the last four or five years. Yeah. Uh, So Dr. Sleep, check it out if you'd like to go ahead and follow along and see what the kid from The Shining is doing as an adult. It's all about that kid. Any final thoughts on Goosebumps? Nope. No? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) I think we covered it. It's not, you know, it's not a deep movie, really. No, there's not a ton going on here, but it was fun. All right. Very, very good. Well, uh, let's go around the horns here. We can find everybody online. David, what about you? 
Bavluz, D-A-V-L-U-Z, Twitter, Instagram. Find me there. And Nicole? You can find me taking care of our Facebook page at facebook.com slash moviegoroundpodcast. Right on. Find me on Twitter at I am Brett Stewart on Twitter and follow the show social.mgrpodcast.com. You can find all the links over there to do so, but that will do it for us for Goosebumps kicking off movie Ghoul Round 2022. We will be back next week with Dr. Sleep. 